Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to a very special episode of the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. Um, this is the first in our series of talking to members from uh, every NBA team and uh, sort of getting their takes on uh, the draft, what their team should do, some team needs. Um, and, you know, what better team to start something like that with than uh, the historic New York Knicks, uh, the Knickerbockers, the, you know, the most profitable franchise in basketball i want to say one of the most in all sports um that's got to hurt stone to hear that right <laughs> it's got to be nice to our guests yeah yeah <laughs> we got a slight la and y rivalry in here but that's okay uh speaking of said la i'm joined as always by stone hansen and then a special guest to talk about the knicks uh one of the biggest nick fans i know uh stacy Patton on twitter stacy how you doing Pretty great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, nice to uh, first time being on a pod with Bryce and Stone, a uh, long time listener. So this should be fun. Yeah, uh, I've I've been uh, reading your stuff since uh, you were on Chuck's podcast, uh, Chucking Darts. So yeah. uh, become a big fan. Uh, really, we've interacted on Twitter a ton and um, just excited to get this series going. Uh, Stone, how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing excellent. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the Knicks uh, and see what uh, Stacy has to say about um, putting what, what they can do in the draft and how they can better their team for next season. Absolutely. So uh, before we dive deep into the team, uh, we'll just give a, a, a slight rundown of uh, I, some might say the disappointment of the playoffs, but I would focus on uh, how impressive the regular season was. Um, the Knicks had a, a huge front office change, um, hiring Leon Rose to be the new president of basketball operations. Um, they hired Tom Thibodeau to be the new coach. Uh, a, a lot of roster changes. Um, but, you know, the biggest jump in production came from people who were already on the roster. Um, Julius Randle, all-star, all-NBA, power forward Julius Randle. Uh, R.J. Barrett took a huge step up. Um so, so Stacy, how are you feeling about like the state of your team and uh, and and how you think their future trajectory is looking right now? I mean, it's the best it's looked in. Uh, I mean, certainly since twenty thirteen. Um, but you know, this is the. I mean, they have all the things that they never seem to have, right? Uh, flexibility, picks, young players, but also some vets. Um, so I think that it's all positive. Um, I think some of the things, I wouldn't say there's trepidation, but I think it's highly likely that the Knicks trajectory overall, uh, you know, to use the word you're using, could remain positive um, qualitatively, but in the win column next year might actually regress a little bit um, for a variety of reasons. Um, I think Julius Randle took a big step, but um you know, I, I think he, he, he shot 41% from three on a lot of pull-ups. Um, while I believe that is real, um, the, the free throws went with it. Um, you know, the form looks good. He put in the work and, you know, he has that reputation. Uh, I'm sure Stone will, will remember that from his LA days. Um, but I think that, you know, 41 for anyone, is it seems like the higher end of that range, if you're thinking statistically. So, it's possible he slides back to 37 or 38, which would still be really good, 
Um, but you know, the kind like on a team that really, you know, the margin between us being a sixth seed or in the in the play in even was not that high. Um, so it is likely that they could slide back, um, even if you expect improvement from quickly and RJ. Um, so in terms of that, I think that's perfectly fine if that happens. Um, realistically, I think we found out that they are they're going to be held to play no matter what in the regular season because they're going to fight really hard. But what they have um, in many key places are the difference between very good regular season players and you know playoff players, especially at the wing position, was apparent. And I think um, you know I know me and Bryce went back a little bit because I remember Bryce had correctly predicted. I think you said Atlanta in five, right? Yeah, I picked the Hawks in five. Yeah, yeah. And I think I had, but it was very clear, right? Randall right now is a great regular season superstar. Trey Young actually is that guy in the playoffs where Randall still needs to get to that next level. Uh, I think another big outlier was we saw that we tend to lump in three and D wings together. The Knicks have a couple of really good wing players in Bullock and Burks in the regular season, but the difference, so in the regular season, you might say, well, Bullock versus Bogdanovich, is there a huge difference in the playoffs is where it becomes blindingly apparent right where you can see the things Bogdanovich could do with the ball you could see that his release is just that much quicker is that much more reliable and it's it might seem like small differences but they're huge so that is really where the Knicks are at where they need those playoff players and it's at a time where unless you have a guy like Kawhi or Luka or something like that even the teams that do the teams that succeed are putting out five guys who can dribble pass and shoot and not be a liability on defense at the same time. Um, that's what Atlanta did. That's I believe that's a big reason why they beat Philadelphia as well. Um, that is what um, Phoenix is the best example of that. Um, LA has, the Clippers have been doing that. Um, and the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz, it didn't end up working out, but that's how they kind of built this team. And to the extent they didn't have a fifth guy who could do that, and he was exploited a little bit on, on um, in defense and couldn't make up for it on offense. So I just talked a lot. Um, if there's anything you want to dive deep on or if anything that I didn't address, happy to fill in that gap, but I'll pause there. I loved your discussion of uh, sort of the difference between regular season players and playoff players being, um, it tends to either be two-way equity, equity or that offensive capability being to be able to dribble and pass as well. Um, you know, I love Reggie Bullock. Uh, he, he's forever been one of my favorite players for no other reason than I really like his hair. Um, but he can't, he's not someone who's going to put the ball on the deck and, and make any plays for you. Um, and that's sort of what's tough with the Knicks is, is I kind of concur with you, but they were still really good this year. And sort of the, the, the double-edged sword of being pretty good is that your draft picks are then not pretty good. So is there anyone you think who can fall into that 19 or 21 slot who you think ha has, has an opportunity to raise this team's ceiling? Um, even if it's not like a great amount, if there's just any bets you see, um, whether it be a, a wing or a guard, uh, who, who you think is a playoff player, it could be a playoff player uh, during their rookie contract. Yeah. Um, I, to answer your question, I think there are extremely few rookie contract uh, playoff players and definitely certainly rookie playoff players. Uh, I think that was, it was very surprising about what DeAndre Hunter was able to do. Um, that is the series I watched most closely. So I keep bringing it up. Um, but I think it's, that's very difficult to begin with. 
Um, and I say that because I don't think, I think like, you know, we often hear the word NBA ready thrown around a lot. Um, so like, you know, do I think the Knicks should draft, for example, Chris Duarte, because he might be the easiest plug and play. I think they'd have to, I think that, um, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to make that assertion that he's just plugged in play. I'm not sure. I loved Desmond Bain last year. I'm not sure it would have been the case for him, right? It's just a high bar to hit to be that player. there. Um, so in terms of like, so I'll, I don't know if you've seen the two minute video from uh, Bob Myers um, where he talks about this specifically or, or have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or he was mentioning that they don't, uh, you know, they don't want to be developing players right now. Basically. No, no, no. Sorry. I meant, I meant on the playoff. So he, Oh. He, um, so I actually, I was at this Sloan conference where he was talking about the difference between playoff players and I think he was on a panel with Paul Pierce, right? And he was saying that like how it, it's a really good video and it's, it's um, happy to share it afterwards. But uh, essentially what he's saying is that, you know, in, in the playoffs, they have the level of prep that teams will put in um, is just so much more. The rotations are, the rotations are shorter, um, you know, so it's like, you know, if, if you cannot go left or if you have a weakness, you know, it's like a pitcher or a, a batter in baseball. If you know that you don't like it low and away, that's all you're going to see. Uh, so if you can't go left, they're only letting you go left. If they know you like to, to, to go right into your jumper, you're not going to have that. Right. So you need to, um, and then like, you know, two feet of space in the, this is a quote I always remember two feet of space in the, in the regular season is two inches in the playoffs. Right. So I think that two, to your point, I think, two-way equity but the threshold is so much higher like you like two-way you can't just be someone who can stick like oh i'm six five but i can kind of play the three that doesn't work as well in the playoffs um unless you're like just elite on the other end where you know you're playing up you might get abused on defense a little bit so if you if your value is going to come from defense it cannot just be a plug-and-play guy it has to be someone who is a playmaker on defense um same thing on, on shooting it cannot just be someone who hits open shots um, and it, I, by the way, it can't be someone who can hit open shots and occasionally attack closeout. Like you either have to be someone who can really drive, or if you're mostly a shooter, uh, you know, it has, it has to come with some movement or something. So at, out of the players in our range, um, I, I, I don't think, can they be a playoff player next year is the criteria. I think for the Knicks, the criteria I'm looking at is our two biggest needs long-term and they've always been our needs and not coincidentally, we've been a poor franchise during a time when these two positions and these two types of players have dominated the league or started to, you know, they are the lifeblood of most teams. Uh, There is not a good team you can look at and say they are weak at one of these two positions. Um, When I say good team, I mean a contender. I think we are a good team. Um, But I would say that is, you know, a point guard who can create shots for others. Um, So the Knicks have a interesting set of pseudo creators, right? They have Barrett and Randall who can, who play a physical style, who slow the game down, can draw doubles, but their attacking style, they can, um, they can tilt defenses, but they can't scramble them. Right. So you can put them in and like have them like a battering ram kind of get into the paint and then force attention, but against good playoff defenses that pre out that pre-rotate like Atlanta did that, you know, it, it's there. That is one big difference, right? we don't have the kind of guy who can knife into the paint and scramble at defense and has that kind of jitterbug speed. So that would be the kind of, um, that's the kind of player they're missing. And if that player could pass really well, that would help. I think you, you follow the draft pretty closely. So you probably know that there is a player in that range who I think fits that need, but I'm going to talk about the other need first. And the other need is that playoff wing in that, 
it doesn't have to be in Bogdanovich's mold, but someone to our to the point I was making is a playoff wing, as opposed to Reggie Bullock, who's a very nice regular season player, but you probably want him to be your eighth guy. Um, and the Knicks have been trying to fill that void. Um, and like the, the problems that they have, you know, it's not just that Burks and Reggie Bullock, it's not just about being good, right? But we're throwing out six five, six six wings with six nine, six ten wingspan. It doesn't seem like a huge difference in the in the in the regular season, but a guy like Moses Moody, who's not gonna fall, but I use him as an example, a true six seven guy with a seven foot wingspan and athleticism to play the three. That they tried to do that with Kevin Knox. They signed Mario Hazonia at some point. They drafted Clee Anthony early. There's been so many guys, and it just it has not worked out. And that is obviously, as I mentioned before, pretty big. So in terms of the players that would be available, I'll preface this by saying a lot of people expect the Knicks to trade up, but I can talk about that scenario afterwards. But assuming we keep both picks, I think the one player I'd want to walk away with, as you may have guessed, is Sharif Cooper, um, because he gives you exactly the type of guard I described. Um, I, he would be the best passer and uh, that I, in a long time, I think another going back to Atlanta, uh, one big difference in terms of why their creator translated a lot better to the playoffs than Julius Randall is that elite passing. Right. And I think we, you know, in the regular season, it can be tough to notice because um, you know, because defenses aren't as sharp, they're not pre-roading as rotating as well. Maybe you don't get to see the same kind of differentiation between elite passers and good passers uh, that we saw in that series. Um, and I think Sharif Cooper gives the Knicks that as well as the speed element. Um, his finishing is is not great, but I think with his girth, that's going to help. Um, and then I'm also, even though he's probably never going to be a good defender, I would at least, I think I'd rather have someone with Sharif Cooper's size, which maybe is 6'4", <laughs> according to a certain draft Twitter error. I'd rather have someone his size uh, or who is like built uh, than someone who's 6'1 or 6'2, but really skinny, right? Um, so I think that's one player. Um, and then besides that, I think there are a lot of interesting combo guards, Trey Mann, uh, Bones Highland, um, who are a little, I mean, Bones, I think I'm higher on um, than a lot of other people. So he may be more of a second round pick, but Trey fits that mold. I don't know what's going to happen with Jared Butler. Pretty sad condition there. Um, but if he is able to play, he would be in that mold. But these guys are mostly combo guards who are good pull-up shooters with varying um, ability to pass the ball. Um, and and what I'm saying with that is they are a little bit redundant with Emmanuel quickly, um, whereas they don't fit that need that I mentioned before. If somebody's going to get to the rim like really fast. Uh, on the other, on like on one hand, like if you just have a bunch of high-end pull-up shooters, that's not a bad skill to load up on on the other hand i think sharif cooper fits like is a better compliment um and gives us something that we don't have relative to them so those are the guards in our range and then um in terms of the other would be wings uh, i think we there's two routes we can go i think we can draft a plug and play player like chris duarte um we can or we can um we can draft a couple of players who maybe not even not quite his level of shooter at this point um, but, you know, give you that baseline athleticism, playmaking on defense with some shooting ability. And that would be uh, Trey Murphy and um, Kessler Edwards. Um, so I think those are two, like Duarte would be safer a little bit than those two. Um, but Murphy probably has the best upside. And, um, you know, Kessler, I think 
has a, an interesting mix of skills. Um, and then there is another option where they can just go full on upside. Um, you know, a guy like Zaire Williams can fall. Um, so there are many wings who with better numbers than him who had better production, but you watch him play, he has very high upside. And then if they really want to go long on, on that kind of a play, there is BJ Boston who, um, you know, the Knicks have that Kentucky connection. Um, so, you know, he had a, he really struggled uh, and is probably two years away from having the kind of physical ability to play at a high level. Um, but that combination of handle shot creation at his size, um, might still be enticing. Uh, and that really depends on which direction the Knicks do they want to add someone who's going to contribute next year to your point? Do they want to take another lottery ticket and hope they get a star? Um, or do they want to, um, that, that would be if they go wing. Um, so I think that'll be the decision they have to make at 21, but at 19, if Sharif Cooper's there, I would take him. Uh, and then if he's not, then I would take one of the safer wings and one of the, I would probably do something like Zaire Williams and, um, you know, Trey Murphy, uh, if Cooper's not there. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, if they did trade up, I would prefer to go wing than guard. Um, so if they package 19 and 21 and move up to like 11 or 12, like my dream would be Franz Wagner and Moody um, for some of the same reasons I outlined above with the, the wings. That was a lot. I'm sorry. So. No, no, you're good. I, I, good. I love that much to work with. Uh, Stone, do you want to jump off that? Yeah. Um, so I think you laid a lot out there um, in, in a really good way um, for people to be able to kind of uh, obviously I, I think it's a good point to make that a lot of, rookies, especially at 19 and 21, just aren't going to be, uh, you know, maybe the playoff performers that you may hope. Um, and the other thing, uh, like you mentioned, is I, I think you hit right on exactly what their needs would be in terms of um, a guard that can really shift defenses, like you say. They, they do have uh, playmakers, as you mentioned, but nobody who really um, can consistently, like, uh, scramble defenses, I think, is the term you used. Um, and Sharif Cooper obviously definitely provides that. Um, my, my question, my follow-up question to that, I guess, would be, uh, you, you did mention moving up. Is there, is 19 and 21, are those two picks to you worth moving up to uh, somewhere outside of five, maybe like six uh, or, or anywhere, anywhere in between five and 10, I guess. Um, and is that gap big enough for you to make that sort of jump within this draft class for you? I think so. Um, and I think, and here's why one, we do have the 32nd pick um, from Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a bunch of guys in that late first, I think Trey Murphy, for example, is a guy I mentioned who could fall there. Um, I think if they don't like any of it, like, I mean, a lot of people are super high on Trey man. Um, but I think if they could get bones at 32, I would do that. Right. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree, but so I think at 32, we can still get it. We can have kind of a pseudo first round pick. I think the reason why trading up would be worth it. One, the Knicks want to do this because um, Tom Thibodeau doesn't want to add three rookies. Um, that's, yeah. that's just, that's his MO five to 10 would be, if we can move up to five to 10, I think there are a couple of guys that are worth it. Um, I think I, I mentioned Franz and Moody are the two guys I would want in that range. Um, I think I trust their development staff a lot. Uh, that is kind of, you know, that's something I, I don't think we mentioned yet, but 
they added Kenny Payne from Kentucky. They added Johnny Bryant from Utah. Um, they have really emphasized the player development. Um, and it, I mean, they're young players through over the course of the season, Obi Toppin was unplayable early in the season. He gave us decent minutes in, in the Atlanta series. You can argue was, was that a better pick than Halliburton or Vassell or something, but you can't argue that he improved. Um, quickly and RJ both improved over the course of the year too. Um, so I think given that if they did trade up and take Kuminga, I would trust this development staff with that. Um, or even a player like Scotty Barnes. Um, but to be clear, the two guys who I think I would really like in that five to 10 range would be Wagner or Moses Moody. Uh, oh, sorry, I added, and there's one player I forgot, um, Jaden Springer as well. Those would be the three, like, those are the guys like I'm completely happy with. And then um, Barnes or Kuminga would be guys who I'm like, okay, I, um, I, 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 you know, I'll trust the development. And I guess you can throw Josh Giddy in there too. And, and probably most of the other guys in that range, the reason why I would prefer Moody or Wagner to them or Springer is that those players are more polished and you can really see the fit very easily. Whereas the other guys you're, you're making development plays. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a good point as well. They do have the 32nd pick. So it's not like you're completely uh, throwing all your draft capital at, at one pick to try and move up because this is a deep draft. Um, and at 32, you can still find some pretty valuable assets uh, that, that late in this draft this year. Um, so that that's a good point as well. Yeah, I, I mean, from you get the contract like... flexibility too, right? So if it's exactly. a second round pick, they're not guaranteed. You can make it two way or something. We probably wouldn't go that route with a 32nd pick, but. Yeah, that's that's part of it. But sorry, Bryce, I didn't you know interrupt. No, no, you're good. Um, I think Franz is is maybe the dream fit here. Um, sort of everything you kind of mentioned, like what do you need in this wing, like is sort of Franz. Um, if you buy the shooting uh, to to an NBA level, which I do, I understand the concerns about it, but I think as a spot up shooter, he'll be fine. Um, he can attack and close out. He will make good decisions. Um, and just a really good defender on ball, off ball. Um, you know, I would say a perfect fit next to um, RJ and Julius and the type of player who could get minutes from Tibbs early. Um, so I would say if you can package, even if it's all three of those picks, if you could package those and get Franz or Moody, it's worth it for me. Um, even though there are guys who... who I think could fall. Um, and I kind of wanted to hit on, uh, I kind of wanted to hit on, on, you mentioned Trey Murphy, the third, uh, one of my favorite guys in this draft. Um, honestly, I could see him getting taken at any of the three picks uh, you guys have. Um, and, and I think what would make Murphy a really interesting member of the Knicks is that I think he could really change the geometry of the floor in a way, you know, of all the names you mentioned, really probably only Sharif Cooper and Trey Mann can. Um, but he does it in a very different way. Um, I think he has a legitimate shot to be a six, nine movement shooter. Who's also like a really, really good cutter. Um, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty legit, uh, pretty legit fit there. Uh, especially uh, if with how your offense sort of was run this year, um, mostly through Randall, um, it would be nice to have a really devastating off ball player. Uh, I feel like that's something the Knicks didn't really have. Um, like, like, what do you think? Was there, is there a player I'm missing is someone who was really an off ball threat? Uh, or, or do you think that sort of, you know, floor change could, could be really beneficial for New York? 
I think so. It was, I mean, Bullock was the main guy, right? And if you look at Bullock and Randall's um, combination, uh, they were absurd, not absurd is the wrong word. They were very, very good together, right? Um, but I think what you see with RJ and Bullock is they're mostly stationary off ball. Um, RJ can cut to the rim, but what we don't have is really a dynamic movement shooter. Um, like, you know, in that, so, <coughs> so even a guy, I mean, a guy like prime JJ Redick is the kind of guy we're missing. Now you're talking about a guy in Murphy who's three inches taller, um, who is a plus defender coming from a very good system that has a, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much track you put in colleges. Uh, I know that when somebody comes from Florida state with a reputation as a defender, I pay a lot of attention. Um, I'm starting to view Virginia that way as well. Um, and I think he hit it. And he's also a plus, he's a plus athlete, right? He, he can play above the rim. Um, but I think in terms of your geometry, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think you missed anyone. Um, oh, well, actually, I, I will say this. Um, I think quickly, I would count him as probably our, our most gr gravity bending shooter more than Bullock. Uh, problem is the size issue um, and just being able to play him more than 20 minutes, which I think he'll get there but that is not the same thing as having that from the wing. So um, to your point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I really love Trey Murphy. I think, um, you know, book Knight is someone who gets brought up a lot as sort of like this, this incredible off ball player. And I think Murphy has the potential to be even better. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned schools, the three schools I'll always pay attention to uh, Virginia Villanova and, um, and Florida state are just, they just consistently produce good NBA players. Um, it's just sort of, I don't know what it is. I still believe in Kyle Guy. Uh, <laughs> Long-term bet. Maybe that's, that's who the Knicks should uh, package. The you don't think he's pick. just a guy? Sorry. Oh, 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 oh don't get too punny here. This is a, this is a pun-free podcast, I believe. No, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – Trey Murphy the third is, is one of my like ideal picks for the Knicks. I just think uh, the way he could bend the floor around someone like Randall um, is it, just really important because the Knicks, the Knicks are sort of at a point where they don't have like this obvious um, playoff superstar, like you mentioned, like they don't have someone who's going to just be able to have a 30 plus usage in the playoffs and get away with it. So you're going to have to build, uh, a, a team around uh, what you have, I think, uh, try and maximize them. Um, you know, RJ Barrett, I, I still really like. I was a little lower on during the draft, but, it, you know, it, it's a very good player, very good two-way player. Um, I think Trey Murphy III would really uh, uh, help his development. I think he can kind of be what you wanted Kevin Knox to be, uh, maybe yeah. a little less, maybe a little less on ball than you wanted from Kevin Knox, <laughs> sort of similar um yeah and then and then the one you know you you brought back to it uh Sharif Cooper Stone I, I'm gonna throw it to you what do you think of, of Sharif and, and why uh are, are there better versions you think of, of of a guard that would fit there or or what are your thoughts um on that pick situation yeah um for, we've talked about Sharif previously and I think a lot of people know I'm actually pretty high on him um Despite his height, obviously that, that's going to have some defensive limitations uh, because no matter how hard you try on that end, uh, eventually, you, you know, your height's just not going to be able to cover up all of the, um, 
the downfalls that come with that. But um, he is at 19 or 21, if, if they were to keep those picks. I don't think, other than maybe Kispert in his shooting, I don't think you're really going to find somebody who has an, as an elite skill as, as Cooper does um, in terms of his playmaking and passing. Um, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about it previously, like I mentioned, how he's, um, I mean, he really is like a Lamelo level type uh, passer, um, which I don't think you're going to find um, really anywhere else in this draft um, at past that sort of range. Um, and to be able to get him there, I think would really benefit the mix um, because, um, you know, it, it takes off a lot of the heavy workload that I think um, Randall and, and Barrett had to pull this year. Uh, seeing as the fact that, you know, Peyton can do it in the, throughout the regular season. Uh, we saw in the playoffs, you know, it's not uh, necessarily something you, you want to rely upon. Um, so being able to kind of uh, take away some of that playmaking from Randall and Barrett, um, although they're serviceable, I think it helps position them into um, where they're more valuable as, as uh, scorers. Um, and Sharif definitely takes that burden off of them and, uh, you know, can even maybe boost their energy a little bit more uh, defensively, um, just not having to be able to carry that much of a load. Um, so I, I really like that pick. Um, personally, I'm someone who uh, I really dislike asset or, or draft consolidation, uh, but obviously it's necessary for some teams, right? Um, so I think if you're, you're moving 19 and 21, uh, you're probably giving up on um, getting Sharif because I don't think he'll be there at, at 32 with their, their second round pick. Um, but you are moving up for somebody that obviously helps them uh, more as a two-way player in, in a Franz Wagner or a Moses Moody. Um, so I'm, yeah, that's a tough situation. Um, obviously Tibbs isn't going to bring in three rookies because it's just not his, uh, his brand. Um, but I, I really like Sharif in New York, and I think that's something that uh, we've seen being kind of commonly um, mocked to in, in a lot of mock drafts is that Sharif to New York fit, and I think it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and, and kind of piggybacking on what you said with Randall especially, they barely used Randall as a role man, right, which I'm sure you know, and most Lakers fans will know that, yeah. that he is a lead at that, and we can't use him that way. A, part, a lot of people will say, well, you don't have a shooting center, but other teams are able to, you know, the, the Hawks were able to unleash Collins off the pick and roll. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that, I don't think that has to do with Randall's, you know, not being quite that athlete. It, it has to do a lot with a lack of playmaking at the point guard position. Um, part of it is, you know, quickly, when quickly ran it with Randall, there was potential, but he has improvements. He has to do make as a passer. And later on in the year, a lot of teams knew that with quickly, uh, you know, he was going to settle for the floater. So they were able to kind of good defenses were able to force him into that a little bit. Right. Um, so like, well, on the one hand, I think I am higher on quickly long-term on ball than a lot of people are. On the other hand, I think that still doesn't make Sharif Cooper redundant <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, that's yeah you, you kind of nailed it that's where i'm at with where they will end up um and i hope that if they do trade up for a wing they're not just looking for a, a plug-and-play guy but like somebody they think can be an elite role player right so exactly um yeah. and then i guess sort of a another question for you here um would be 
what so uh, obviously the Knicks are not adverse to having um, bad things happen to them. Um, I know <laughs> that's sort they get made fun of for it a lot, but um, it, it is something they've had bad lottery luck and things like that. Uh, but now that they do have two two first round picks and obviously the the 32nd pick uh, and even the 58th pick, which I, I guess we won't touch on as much here, um, what would be sort of like the worst case scenario for you in terms of whether it's they make a bad trade with these picks or who they take with these picks? Um, but like what would be sort of your worst nightmare come draft night with uh, with what they do with, with these picks? That is a really good question. Um, I'll say last year it became last year the Nick. There was one player I did not want the Knicks to take, and they drafted him at eight. Um, <laughs> I'm much happier with it now. Um, you know, I, I he's not my ideal four. Uh, you know, fours who can't defend are generally not. But to his credit, I think Obi, you know, improved his defense and really showed a lot of effort. For this year's draft, I think trading up. So I agree with you, by the way. I generally am not a fan of consolidating picks. Um, I think that it, that has to do with the Knicks just not wanting to add a ton of rookies to already a young team. But it's not always the you're you're probably still ending up with something like eighty to ninety cents on the dollar, right? When you're the one trading up, um, if that that we might be optimistic. So if they trade up, um, Book Knight is a guy I'm wary of. Um, is of them trading up and trying to make him an on-ball high-level player that he might like I think the Knicks a lot of times in the past have gotten in trouble fitting square pegs and round holes um, so that happened with Randall the year before this one um, that has happened with Barrett from time to time happened with OB for chunks this season I think Thibodeau is better at, at that and I think because of the development staff players have improved but that is a problem um, that the Knicks, so when you, so that is, you know, generally a worst case scenario. I'm trying to think of if there's players, I like if they traded the two picks for like a certain player, like if they traded for Simmons or CJ McCollum, they'd probably have to give up more than the first two picks. But um, that becomes a little bit context specific. Those are not players I'm not, I'm itching for the Knicks to trade for, um, especially McCollum, because I think, um, I think that I would rather just roll with, um, you know, we just added Luca Valdoza from, or just, not to insult McCollum, he's a great offensive player, but at his contract and age, like that would probably cost us so much that you're basically depending on him and Randall to be the, the main move. And I, I just don't see that working. So that would be a kind of a bad case scenario. But in terms of actually players we could take, um, I feel bad because I do like Booknight as a player, but trading up for James Booknight or uh, I'm trying to think of who else in that range I'm really averse. I guess I wouldn't want to trade up for a big either. Like if they trade up for Isaiah Jackson, like <clears throat> we have Mitchell Robinson um, or like, or even Kai who like has a different skill set and has a high ceiling. It's just, um, that's not something I'd be, I would want. That's, that's probably the worst case scenario is trading up for a big book night. I could live with, I, I wouldn't want to trade up for a big. And the other thing else, I mean, in general, I just don't want them to take a big, anyway in the draft i just don't yeah. really uh maybe at 32 fine but like i i don't want to draft a backup big losing draft capital um you know we could probably sign we signed taj gibson off the street and it worked out well right and i think he's yeah. fine as a second string um <clears throat> i mean to the extent that it might help you know it's not going to get solved with one of these things 
then the last thing I would say is Garuba is like a guy who I <clears throat> I'm still unsure of. Um, but like those fours, there's Garo, there's Garuba, there's Roko. <clears throat> there's a couple of those fours who are like uh, completely different players, right? Garu, Garuba gives you a, a defender, a switchable defender, which can be very valuable and have a high ceiling. Um, in Roko's case, it's more of a playmaker and like a high motor guy. Um, but in both those cases, now you have redundancy at a position where the Knicks used a lottery pick last year and their best player plays that position. So those would be those kinds of outcomes of like overlapping needs or just a big who is generally bigs are not great value in the draft. And if they trade up to do that, that's worse, right? So, yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess uh, my, my last thing here, and I can you know, give it back to Bryce would be, how do you compare? So like if they were, you, know, you mentioned you were super high on bones, how would you compare that overlap to like an Emmanuel quickly uh, where they seem to have sort of overlapping skill sets as opposed to, um, you know, drafting a big, is that, is that simply just because of archetype? Like um, obviously having more shooters might be more valuable than having more bigs. Um, or is that just because you're super high on bones? Uh, how, how would you describe sort of that overlap and what makes you, I think uh, a little bit um I guess more optimistic of that that overlap as opposed to uh, another four. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's easier to play those types of players together because they don't compromise. Like if if they, if you play two players together who compromise your spacing, but they help your defense, that can be worth it. If you play two players together who compromise your defense but help your spacing, like for example, I don't know Davis Bertans and like. Rui or something like that or, or you know or Mo Wagner maybe or I mean, he's not a good shooter but like or Thomas Bryant whatever right but you're talking about two guys who are not we're going to compromise defense they don't fit well together but at least your spacing is better that's worth it but in the case of like like I'm not I don't completely trust Roko's shot yet definitely don't trust Gruba's shot right so you can't really play them with Randall or Toppin there are people uh you know my co-host on Pod Strickland Shrinipu is is higher on um <clears throat> Garuba and feels like maybe you could play him next to Randall. I think that how do how to unlike Randall and you know are there small ball lineups you can play with him in play him in is a very interesting question and the Knicks at some point should address that. Um, but I think um, you know I think to the extent I guess a guy like Kai would be more palatable because maybe his shooting you can trust and there are people who buy Isaiah Jackson shot. Um, but, but those are still, you're making a bet on a non-shooting player or a very low shooting player growing, um, or you're making a bet on an undersized big being able to play as a rim protector, right? One of those two things is happening. And if you're taking the former, like I say, an Isaiah Jackson, well, we already have an elite rim protector, right? So you really have to be buying Isaiah Jackson's shot to feel like he's giving you something you don't have. Um, so I think quickly and bones may compromise your defense together, but we've seen teams put to Portland, most notably put to high level pull-up shooters that, that definitely helps your spacing. So at least one of those things that it helps. So it's easier to play those two together. The other thing I would say is with bones, there is skill set overlap with quickly. Um, but he actually, he was in terms of guards, he actually had more unassisted rim attempts per 40. Shout out to Will Morris because this is, uh, you know, he wrote a great piece last year um, about, you know, how, how meaningful that is in describing 
the ability of prospects to translate. And Bones had more unassisted rim attempts for 40 than Mitchell, um, Mann, uh, like everyone besides like Cooper um, and, um, and, and like Cade and like those guys, right? So in those, that combo guard region, Bones is much better than those guys at getting to the rim. You could label, you could call that quality of competition. You can attribute that a little bit to transition, but he's a, he's very good. Uh, he's very adept at getting you to the rim. Um, the other thing I'll say is his measurements came out and we don't want to overreact to measurements, but he measured six, four, six, nine. Right. So he has, he is not quite two guard size, but he's a bigger guy and quickly has that kind of a wingspan too. So on defense, especially with some more weight, I think that that lineup can survive. And then the last thing I'll say is bones, um, may actually have a higher on ball ceiling than quickly because he is actually a great pick and roll passer. Uh, he's not great at hitting the corners, but he's great at hitting the roll man. Um, and I just think the, the threshold for both of, I think, and then, yeah, because of those skills, right. When you're talking about two guys who have like plus ball handling bones in a great ball handler, but quickly is a great ball handler bones is very quick. And you combine that with the kind of gravity they have, the threshold in terms of passing um, just gets a lot lower. Um, and then once you can pass and do that, and Bones has a little bit of a higher floor as a finisher, um, I think that those are things they can add. And I would that is an easier bet for me to take one or both of them developing those skills than it is for me to bet on Isaiah Jackson getting a jump shot or um, – Rocco being able to protect the rim well enough to play with um, Julius or um, or Garuba, you know, developing enough as an offensive player at all to like really hang because that's the Garuba types. If he doesn't improve on offense, unless you're like Draymond level, even Simmons an elite defensive player and he became unplayable right because of offensive shortcomings. So it became Garuba turning into Ben Simmons would be a high level outcome. So, um, so those, that's, that's kind of why I, I think I'd rather take the bet on bones than a few of those guys. Having said that Rocco is the one that would give me pause because given his motor and his ball skills, sometimes you just say, yeah, he's not a great fit right now. But if you buy that like star ceiling, which I know a lot of people do, I need to do a little bit more research on him, but if you buy that, that would be the exception. And I guess that applies to some people buy that with IJ too, that like, yeah, but like, if you look at him, his ability to handle the ball and he can get up. And if he one day shoots, maybe that's just worth it. Um, I am not in that boat though. So I would rather, um, I'd rather take one of the elite pull-up shooters. And, and I think for me, Bones, Bones, Mann and McBride are all still really close. So I, I think Bones is a guy I've been pushing a lot on Twitter. because I do think he's undervalued, but to be clear, he is in that same tier with those guys to me. And that's yeah. like a yeah. 15 to 20 range. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you laid out. Uh, you're starting to speak Bryce's language on this episode too, with Trey Murphy and Rocco. So uh, I'll I'll give it back to him to uh, to follow up on that. Well, actually, I, I want to go back to the bones thing because Stacy, you did such an excellent job, sort of laying out like like sometimes I think draft Twitter can look at things at such the macro and point to like a manual quickly bones highland pull up shooters similar measurements, but you pointed out the difference in the micro skills in their games and. We were talking about the playoffs earlier. If there's one play stuff like that matters, it's the playoffs. Um, I think that that is a viable backcourt if you have, you know, an on-ball creator at the wing. 
Um, in fact, I could see that being a, a, a great backcourt if you have an on-ball player at the wing or at, you know, a forward or a center, um, whatever you would consider Julius Randle um, because of the spacing, because I, you know, Minio quickly, I think will be a, a pretty good on-ball defender. And I think Bones has uh, some defensive equity on ball as well. Um, and just the shooting uh, would, would be really special there. Um, yeah, that's, Roko would be an interesting fit. I love Roko. Um, and I do, I, I do sort of buy some star ceiling there. Um, but actually, like, I think what he looks like as a star is super similar to Julius Randall. Yeah. So it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty interesting, um, you know, uh, to see how that goes. I, I think he could maybe be a little better defensively. Um, but Randall is not a bad defender at all. Um, yeah, I just, this has been such an excellent first episode of this because, uh, you know, you, you brought so much knowledge to the table, so much, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting breakdowns. I, I mean, it, it was awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, Stacy, why don't you just, just plug yourself to your heart's content, just, uh, you know, whatever you got, you got, you got the best pod name, uh, on earth, I believe. So, uh, you know, just, just give it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, by the way, I, I just did that before this one. So it's been a heavy pod day for me. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, uh, I, I, I'm really, I'm, you know, I've followed Stone and Bryce for a long time. You guys are always putting out a ton of really good content. Um, to the extent I might have been speaking Bryce's language, it has to do definitely with, you know, that you definitely influencing a lot of my views as well. Um, so it's really a blast to be on here. Um, and to plug, um, so we just at the Strickland, uh, so the strict.land, we are a Nick site, but we also do a lot of draft coverage. Um, and like now we are kind of going into full gear. Um, so we just released our big board for the season, um, for, for, for the draft. Um, our first big board, we'll probably tweak it. Um, but that's just our, our draft writers. Um, it, there's the main ones are me, Presidente, who runs all the draft coverage. Great Twitter follow. Um, Nick's draft, um, Tyrese London, London Asteri on Twitter. Um, so we're the, we're doing the draft stuff. And then, um, so we have a big board. We had a profile come out yesterday on James book night. Um, so the, I, if you, you will hear me be uh, pessimistic on trading up for him, if you wanted a more optimistic case, that's from next draft coming out on the Strickland and yeah, just follow us um, and at pod Strickland as well. If you want to hear more of my pods. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're into the draft, if you follow, if you like what Bryce and Stone are putting out, we're, we're also going to be putting out a lot of content, uh, in the coming, coming weeks. Yeah. I'm just going to piggyback off that and just say real quick that, uh, the Strickland was like sort of the first draft site I really got into. Um, huh. so, which is funny cause I'm not a Knicks fan at all, but <laughs> I just sort of, I was like getting into the draft and, uh, I want to say it was. Oh, man, I can't remember like the first article I remember clicking on, but just one of the first places I started reading of listened to the pod forever. So uh, huge fan. It was great to have you on, man. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's um, definitely more fun to do this than uh, random Twitter rants uh, about Hawks. <laughs> uh, so uh, I had a lot of fun and uh, Stone definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to, to um, it was good to talk to you as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you. You definitely set the bar high as our first guest. Uh, we, we have 29 others, but um, so far you're the gold standard. So uh, <laughs> but, uh, thank you. Uh, you. You brought a lot of insight and um, we're excited to uh, 
check out what you and the Strickland have uh, coming forward as well. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, Stacy has said it. Hi, man. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. Uh, we hope we hit our ceiling. Thanks to Stacy. Thanks for everyone listening. Uh, thank you. We'll <laughs>